Okay, so our reading today is taken from 2 Corinthians 5. Starts at verse 11 and goes to verse 21. And I would recommend turning to it on your phone or your Bible because it's quite a wordy one today. So it's good to read along, I think. So that was 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 to 21. So we'll start at verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mim. That's wonderful. Read so well. Um, if we've not met before, I'm James. Um, I know a lot of you have joined the church um, this year. This is one of the first times I've um, stood up in front of the church to, to speak um, in 2022. So if we've not met yet, a big hello from me to you. I work with the university students who um, come here at St. Thomas's. So it's, it's great to meet you. Um, I'm married to Lucy. We've got two kids, Joshua and Flory. They're not here today, sadly. Joshua's got a bug, so we didn't want to infect anybody. Um, so Lord, we pray, heal that little boy in Jesus' name. Amen. And um, we've just come out of a series looking at relationships, like the nuts and bolts of, we're trying to, we tried to like dive deep into what it's like to follow Jesus um, and put this thing into practice in terms of our church family. Because we believe the church should be and is one of the most inclusive places to belong, that it's one of the most fulfilling places to come and be part of, and that here we love God and we love each other, and that should radically transform the way we do relationships. What we're going to do today is um, look more generally at the gospel, the message that we have as believers in Jesus, kind of the bread and butter of our faith. Um, Looking at this message of reconciliation, that might be a key word that you just picked up when you were reading that passage along with Mim, and about this phrase, ambassadors of Christ. 
Who are they and what do they do? But let me begin by sharing a story with you. So I, I studied in Sheffield. Anyone else here from Sheffield? There was like the, the faintest of whoops in the left-hand corner. I loved my time at Sheffield. I did biblical studies as a degree. And in my first week of university, I bumped into some people called Chris, Meg, Bev, and, um, well, we call her Bevs, and, um, and Alana. Now, these people you might describe as enthusiastic Christians. I'd just become a Christian myself. I kind of just got caught up in the wave of enthusiasm. You know the kind. So if you're a university student, you've just had your um, CU Missions Week on campus, it's those who are in the marquee ready to talk to anybody about Jesus giving off those Christian vibes. I made those friends when I first got there at university and we started to pray together and worship together. And we even branded it, which I thought was quite pioneering for 2008. We called it the Freshers Fire. And we began to pray. And my friend Meg had the great idea to roll out a piece of paper right on the top, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And she turned to us all and said, let's write down the names of those we're going to tell about Jesus. Shock horror. I hardly knew anything about following Jesus and I hardly knew that that meant being an ambassador for him too. So I wrote down the names of my flatmates, not really prayerfully, more conveniently. Um, I don't know about you. How would you have handled that situation? Write down those that you're telling about Jesus. And what is it about these things, of uh, this image of ambassador? When I say that word, ambassador of Christ, what do you think of? Maybe you might have this modern image of important people in an embassy, like a political figure representing a people and their values in another place. Maybe more modern, you might think of like a brand ambassador or something like that, some kind of influencer on social media. Maybe Lee Kirkby, you know, he's sort of a brand ambassador for Harper and Lewis at the moment. I don't know if you've noticed um, But in the ancient image of ambassador, yes, it was someone who represented a king and a kingdom in another place. But they were more of a messenger. They didn't reside in an embassy permanently. They were someone who would go on behalf of a king and a kingdom to deliver a message. They were sent out with something to say and with somebody in mind. So as we look at this passage together prayerfully today, asking God speak to us, looking really at three things. We're looking at our motives as Christ's ambassador. What is the driving influence for us as Christ's ambassadors? What is the message of Christ's ambassador and who are Christ's ambassadors? Verses 11 to 14, motive, 14 to 17, this message, 18 to 21. Who are these ambassadors? Let me just pray for us. Lord, Incline our hearts to your word. Would it come to life for us, we pray, as we go through these verses together. We pray, speak to us, that we may know more of who you are. And as we discover who you are, would we hear afresh, each of us, that invitation to intimacy, to know who we belong to, who we are, and what it is you're asking us to do here in Newcastle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So look with me, verse 11. I want you to just clock this first phrase, the fear 
of the Lord. What do you think of when you see that phrase, fear of the Lord? Verse 11, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. And the word here is not about being terrified or horrified. Um, It's about awe, seeing God for who he is. In other words, taking God seriously. Taking verse 10 seriously, if you've got your Bible open in front of you, you'll notice there's a heading title. Just ignore that for a moment as if the previous verse was not connected to this verse we've just read. Verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. A judgment. Now, don't be mistaken here. This isn't the image of the end times where we'll stand before God and know if we're in or out of heaven. This is a message written to Christians in the city of Corinth. These people believe in Jesus. This is a different kind of judgment. This is a judgment of believers. He's saying there's going to be a day where we'll stand before the Lord and give an account for the things in our lives. This isn't a challenge about how good or bad we've been and if we get our place into heaven It's not about our eternal destiny. It's about what we've done with the grace that's been afforded us here as followers of Jesus. How have we used the resources, the good that God has poured out upon us generously? How have we used those relationships that we've been studying together as a church the last sort of six weeks together and exploring how to do healthy friendships well? Are we using them for the glory of God? Our money, our time, our energy, our brains, our intellectual capacity. Are we using them for the glory of God with an eternal testimony in mind? It's not about our salvation, this challenge, but it is a challenge about our stewardship, our accountability. There will be a day when we stand before God and give an account for the life that we have. That's a serious thing. And I don't say it to scare you. Remember, this word isn't about being terrified. It's about being in awe. We don't approach God as those in Christ, those waiting to be judged again in a courtroom. The language of justification isn't what is happening here. It is more about the relationship as sons and daughters of the King of heaven, the father that we pray to in the Lord's prayer, as Jesus taught us to pray. We approach him as sons and daughters to a father, almost in a living room, but we will have to give an account. And here's the main point of why that is a good thing. Because clarity about our future hope should shape how we are living today as disciples of Jesus Christ here in Newcastle. So as Christ's ambassadors, with fear of the Lord, we aim to persuade others with this message of reconciliation, peace with God. Ah. There it is. Persuade others. Have you ever thought, why do Christians do that? Why are they so enthusiastic about telling other people about their faith in Jesus Christ? It's a wonderful thing for you, but it gets really awkward when you try to tell me. Isn't faith a private thing? No. It is a deeply personal thing, but it is a joyous, wonderful gift to receive forgiveness and peace with God. And so what are the driving motives when we go and tell other people? Because there could be all sorts of motives really when we think about it. 
We could be trying to please other people and get them to like us. We can try and be persuasive and compelling so people might be impressed by us. We might think about reputation. We might think about um, getting God to like us. Like we've got to prove ourselves to him and earn the salvation that's being afforded to us. But Paul's motives here are very clear. If we just look at these verses again together, verse 13, 12 and 11, you know, Paul is not trying to commend himself to the Christians. He doesn't have to prove himself to them. And likewise, verse 11, before God, he says, I don't have to prove myself to God. God knows who I am. Who I am is plain to God, and I hope it is plain to you also. Verse 14 or 15, it says, I do this for you. All this is for you. Verse 14, compelled by Christ's love. I'm happy for you to even see me as a madman, verse 13, if I'm not in my right mind. That pales in comparison to this beautiful opportunity to tell you that God has done something wonderful in Christ Jesus. He has made peace with those who believe. He died on a cross for all the world. And he has given us, Christ's ambassadors, this message to proclaim to all people. This is a wonderful thing, but the motive, the driving motive isn't to be impressive, isn't to win the argument. It is because of God's love for us. We found something so beautiful and so we want to share it with the world. And if you're sitting here now thinking, I was thinking, if I was sitting hearing this message, what would I be thinking? And I'd be thinking, ah, I can see where this is going. The battle lines have been drawn now. This is about us and them and we have got to go and win the day. But it's not that simple. I'm not going to act like my friend Meg who rolled out that piece of paper and wrote John 3.16 at the stop and is going to point a finger at you today and say, tell me your three friends you're going to tell about Jesus before Easter. That is not my intention. Because as this chapter ends and another one begins in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, it says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. We are ambassadors to one another as much as those who don't know Jesus. Remember, an ambassador is someone who represents the king and the kingdom of another place, but goes with a message and a person in mind. And as Christ's ambassadors, we are God's gift to one another to remind each other of the message of the gospel, this message of peace with God. And so, yes, we go to tell the world, but we're also sent by God to tell one another. Look at the person next to you and say, you are Christ's ambassador to me. (laughs) Maybe we should word it another way. Maybe we should say, you are God's gift to me. Why don't you look each other in the eyes and say that? There you go. Because it's true. Well, that sure did put a smile on your face. And if you're listening online, you are God's gift to us too. And I hope this is God's gift to you today. We bring God's God's message to one another. 
And we bring this message to those outside our community too. So this fear of the Lord that we're reading about in verse 11 is to shape our very present. We're to live today mindful of the eternity that is ours. But it is, it's not a fearful thing that we use as a weapon against those that we come across with who don't yet believe in Jesus Christ. Are you someone today who fears the Lord? Are you reconciled to God? Then you are an ambassador of Christ. So our driving motives, we look to the future and we know the fear of the Lord. But also we look to the past and we know the grace of the Lord. Now all of these verses in 2 Corinthians 5 are about reconciliation, peace with God. And that might be something that we're familiar with. It might be something we long for in the world. And as we read these words again, I'm going to read from verse 18 to 21. I want us to notice again God's initiative in all of these verses. If you've got it in front of you, do hold the Bible open. Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Reconciliation with God. Reconciliation from God and by God. The initiative is all his. There's this beautiful quote I came across by a theologian in the States called uh, Dane Ortland, And he, he put it like this on verse 19, which said, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He said, the atoning work of Christ is so rich and profound that the Bible describes it in many different ways. Justification is law court language. Sanctification is temple and sacrificial language. But adoption is family language and so on. Reconciliation is friendship language. It is the opposite of alienation. As fallen sinners, we are alienated from God. But in Christ, God has drawn near and restored us relationally to friendship again with him. And note that the initiative was holy God's. He reconciled us to him. The relationship is restored. This is great grace. Wonderful. Do you fear the Lord? Are you reconciled to God? Then we are Christ's ambassador. Notice the emphasis or where the place of identity is in that. We are not to put our identity in being ambassadors like we can lord over the world with our own authority, but we belong to him. We are in Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. Knowing who God is and whose we are informs us about who we are, what it is we're to do. Persuade others, compelled by love with this message of reconciliation. It gives us such clarity when we know who we belong to. 
reconciliation, this idea of making peace is so obvious, isn't it? Of course, the world needs to know this message. But at the same time, it feels impossible, doesn't it? Or at least very close to impossible. It will cause all sorts of excitement if Ukraine and Russia were able to come to some sort of lasting peace agreement, wouldn't it? It will be all over our headlines right now. It's something we all long for. Lord, let it be so. But all the more important is peace with God. The world thinks that making peace with God would be simple if he existed. Maybe it would be as simple as just sorting our life out and saying sorry and promising never to do bad things again. In fact, it's really difficult. It's utterly beyond us. There is nothing we can do by ourselves to make our peace with God. Reconciliation, firstly and only, comes through Jesus at the cross. Verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. At the cross, God dealt with the heart of the problem. Sin was not counted against us, but he became sin. He who knew no sin took our penalty and place. He was crucified. And so the forgiveness of sin flows into forgiveness for others. Reconciliation worked out, but first it has to be received. Forgiving other people, an offence was something that Christy Wimber talked about brilliantly last week. Do listen if you've not had a chance to catch up on that, ta- on that talk. But the heart of the problem is not our disagreements with one another. They're a symptom of something deeper going on in all of our hearts. Sin. But he who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we may become the righteousness of God. And that is the story of everyone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ. That he saved us. I'm just thinking when I was preparing this talk about my own life before I knew Jesus. I was selfish, entitled. (laughs) I was a teenager. Um, I was addicted. I played so many video games. That's a story for another time. Um, But when Jesus came into my life, He took on all of the stuff. In fact, let me just illustrate it. If you've been at St. Thomas's for a while, maybe you're a student, you're going to graduate this year and you've not had a chance to see this illustration yet. Working out substitutionary atonement in the gospel, then here's our best effort at doing it with our Bible. Follow this. So this is me, which is quite easy for you to imagine because this is actually my hand, right? And God is up there. Maybe he's that light and I'm enjoying a good relationship with God. But my selfishness, my addictions, the times I've put myself first in my life, the the things that I've not done that I should have done, the thing that we call sin, the selfishness in our hearts, that gets in the way of our relationship with God. And he, Jesus, is over here. And he is pierced for our transgressions. By his wounds, we are healed. Our sin was not accounted to us. Instead, it was accounted to him. And you see where that leaves us in verse 19. Because our sin is placed upon Jesus on the cross, we are free to enjoy a relationship with our Father in heaven. 
how wonderful is this Christian message of reconciliation. And more than that, if I was this piece of paper, independent of my sin, in baptism, I am now placed in Christ. So everything that happens to God now happens to me. So when Christ died that death on the cross, I died with him. Verse 14, 15. Christ died for all of us. And when he was raised to new life, I was raised to new life. And so everything now that happens to Jesus, all the blessings of heaven, that right relationship with God is ours. For those who've received faith and believe Jesus, right relationship with the Father can be ours. And we are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Verse 17. Now I want us to see the flow. Verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. First, this forgiveness comes through Jesus at the cross. And then secondly, this ministry has been given to us, verse 18, and that ministry is the message of reconciliation, verse 19. The ministry is the message that we're to proclaim to all the world. So forgiveness with God, peace with God has been won for us at the cross through what God has done. But forgiveness of the world, peace with God is received as people hear the message. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, ambassadors come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. We know they represent a king and a kingdom. They come with a message in mind and a specific person in mind. They are sent and they return and they are sent again. Do you know the fear of the Lord? Do you know the grace of the Lord? Are you reconciled to God? Have you received that gift of grace? Then you are an ambassador of Christ. You have a story to tell. Where do the ambassadors go? Who do they tell then? Think about my friend Meg and that piece of paper, if she was here now and she rolled it out. Um, The enthusiastic Christians. Who would you write? Where do you go? What are the things you're praying for? What are the opportunities God has given you to share the message of reconciliation? To share your story of knowing Jesus? My friend Tim, who works for the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, sent me a great story. Um, I've just lost it though. I wonder if I can get it up on my phone. Um, sent me a great story of what it is to follow Jesus at the moment because sometimes when we're thinking about ambassadors of Christ, we think about um, gathering here on a Sunday. Like here is where we, we receive the message from the Bible. Like here is where we learn about Jesus. But everything that happens here is to prepare us for out there. And ambassadors of Christ, wherever they are, we don't have embassies or things like that. 
what we have is just the everyday opportunities, the places that the Lord has given us. So where are you to be an ambassador of Christ? Well, it's wherever you are. That's your opportunity that God has given you. That is your front line to share the story of reconciliation. Here we go, I've found it. I'm going to take my phone off airplane mode. You can all ring me now and that'll be funny. But let me just, while it's downloading, I hope it downloads. If it doesn't, I'll just carry on. And, um, but let me just maybe think of some other examples then until this one loads. Because it's an example of someone following Jesus in the workplace. Maybe tomorrow as you go to work and you put on your clothes, you'll be thinking, I'm an ambassador for Christ too. And so you might begin to run through your day and think, um, how might that future hope shape my present day? What does it look like for me to walk into my first meeting as an ambassador of Christ? How might that shape the way I walk in my following of Jesus and my working it out in my everyday opportunities? When a colleague asks questions, maybe they share something quite personal to them about, I don't know, raising kids or how difficult Mother's Day was. What would it look like to be an ambassador of Christ in that moment? To recommend to a friend a Christian book or something like that, or a Bible verse that's encouraged you, or maybe that prayer that Lee read out for us earlier. What would it look like for you to be an ambassador of Christ there? Maybe you're going to be at home with children tomorrow, mum or dad, But try to remember in that task where you are maxed out in terms of energy, but you've got so much capacity in terms of like your mental state, but you're exhausted. But try to remember in that moment, you are an ambassador for Christ. Remember the responsibility you've been entrusted with under God. What does it look like to go to that person, to one another, remember, and share the message of peace? Or maybe when we go out with our friends for a drink, what does that look like to be an ambassador of Christ? Do we go to those things with that mentality in our head or do we go to them and just go with the flow? Are we repping Jesus in that moment as an ambassador for Christ? If comparison kicks in and you feel a low sense of achievement compared to a high-flying friend, You are an ambassador for Christ. Remember, he made peace with you. He went to the cross for you because he loves you and he treasures you and he chose you. You are an ambassador of Christ. I can't get the story up, so do forgive me. Perhaps it's not important after all. Wouldn't it be lovely to see hundreds of ambassadors of Christ scattered out of this building all across Newcastle, all across our region. You might think it's lonely being a Christian in your workplace or in your home or on your campus or in your classroom. But we're doing this together. Just take heart Monday morning that others are stepping out, partnering with God and with each other in prayer, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we're a church family and that does not stop when this service does. What we're learning here in the scriptures is not just for church on Sunday. It is for there. And this message of reconciliation, peace with God, is not just for the enthusiastic Christians. It's not just for the vicars. It's not just for the small group leaders. It is for everyone who fears the Lord. 
has made peace with him, then you are an ambassador of Christ. You don't have to have a specific skill. You don't have to have a megaphone. The thing that qualifies someone to be an ambassador for Christ is not the speaker or the volume in which they can talk or the platform that they have. It is that they've been forgiven by Jesus. The ministry of reconciliation belongs to all of us who've been baptised into Christ. Everybody gets to play. We just get to speak about the person of Jesus as we've received him. Nothing added, nothing taken away. And we share about our experience of being transformed by him and what he accomplished for us on the cross. I'm going to invite the band out and we're going to pray.